I'm gonna go ask directions to our next huge embarrassing failure. I would not eat green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam I am. Don't get dramatic now, all right? By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. It's that time of year again, so today we're talking Thanksgiving. It comes around this time every year. Every year we talk about Thanksgiving, so I figured I might as well continue the tradition. That's what Thanksgiving's about, really. Traditions. So many families in the U.S. have annual family get-togethers for Thanksgiving. Bring the family in. Go visit Grandma. Go visit Aunt Jean and Uncle Jerry. It's all about get-togethers and giving thanks and being together. And this year is going to be a weird year because of the COVID-19 epidemic. I am recording this in the middle of the pandemic. Yes, it's still ongoing. If you're listening to this in the year 2022, 2020 was a really bad year. We had a lot of stuff going on. But what's going on does dictate what we do. And this year is going to be a very strange Thanksgiving for a lot of people. But that doesn't mean we still shouldn't be thankful. Doesn't mean we shouldn't still be grateful. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't celebrate our families and the things we're thankful for. And so, of course, one of the things that I wanted to talk about today was being grateful. Because despite being in the middle of an epidemic, despite being in the midst of a lot of political upheaval, despite discovering that there's a lot of angry people out there, if we all take a step back, take a breath, we'll all realize we do have stuff to be thankful for. And that's what Thanksgiving is supposed to be about. So before I say anything else today, I want you to take a breath. Take a minute. Think about what you've got to be thankful for. Whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's a roof over your head. And believe me, I know there's people going through a lot of difficult times. I know a lot of people are out of work. I know a lot of businesses are in trouble. I know you're not getting to see your family, your friends the way you want to. I'm completely aware of that. But I've also learned in my life that even in the tough times, and we've all had tough times, even in the tough times, there are still things that you can be thankful for. And so don't forget to be thankful for those things this year. Even if you're celebrating alone, and a lot of people are this year, that doesn't mean that you can't reach out to friends by video call, by email, on a stream, in a Discord chat, in a direct message on Twitter. There are ways to reach out to friends, to family, just to stay in touch, just to say, thanks for being there, thanks for being my friend. Those are the important things to remember at this time of year. We should really try to remember that every day, but especially around Thanksgiving, when people say, what do I have to be thankful for? There's stuff there. Just take a breath and think about it. And it's there. You'll find it. Now, of course, after saying all those things about being grateful and being thankful and reaching out to family and friends, because that's what the holiday is all about, I'm here to tell you everything you think you know about Thanksgiving, it's probably not true. Okay, yes, we're supposed to be thankful on this holiday. But what I'm getting at is this holiday is kind of an invention of your grade school textbooks. It's more or less a PR campaign to help create the goodwill and desire to be thankful Which is all good, that's all justified. But this whole pilgrim, Native American, indigenous people thing that they have as the backstory? Mm, Not so much. And so I'm going to be like the fart in church today and ruin Thanksgiving's background for you. I'm going to do that just so you understand where the holiday came from. That doesn't mean you still shouldn't be thankful. Just understand, it's not exactly the way they sold it to you in grade school. Now, this is all based on some reading and some research that I've done over the years, because me being me, I like to know these things. I'm not going to make this a term paper. I'm not going to give you citations and a bibliography at the end, but I can give you the information if you want it. But there's facts out there that they don't teach you in school, which I find fascinating, but that's the world that we live in. 
Like one of the things they always taught us was the first Thanksgiving was in 1621. That's when the Pilgrims and the Native Americans had a celebration. The Native Americans, or Indians as we called them when I was in grade school. They had formed an alliance, there was some kind of treaty, and the Indians helped the Pilgrims get through the year. Taught them how to plant crops, taught them how to survive winters. So in 1621, when the harvest came in, they had Thanksgiving. And they sat down to cranberry sauce and ambrosia salad and roast turkey and gave thanks for each other. And they called it Thanksgiving. That's the story. Except Thanksgiving wasn't really an official holiday in the United States until 1863. So, you know, 242 years later. Abraham Lincoln declared it as a holiday, as kind of a thank you in the middle of the Civil War for successful battles in Vicksburg and Gettysburg. And so they gave thanks in the fall of that year. That's when the first official Thanksgiving happened in the United States. Now, there were Thanksgiving holidays in the early 1800s in New England, but it was not a national holiday. It was not a national thing. It wasn't a thing, except in isolated regions. Now, don't get me wrong. There was a feast documented in 1621. It was a three-day celebration. It did celebrate the harvest. There were games and parties and celebrations, and that was all in gratitude for a successful harvest. But it didn't become an annual thing or a national thing for literally two centuries. We talk about that celebration in 1621 with the pilgrims and the Native Americans. Except there's a funny thing about the pilgrims. They didn't call themselves pilgrims. They were never known as pilgrims amongst themselves. The term pilgrim didn't come out until 1880. The people we know as pilgrims were basically separatists. Those original pilgrims had religious freedom in Holland and were not here for religious freedom. They were here to make money, really. They wanted to get in on the trade in this new land, and they wanted to form their own type of government, more or less a religious theocracy, and they figured they'd have the freedom to do so while getting rich. So that's what they were here for. They had decided to leave Europe and come here to make their own country and make their own fortune, which is fine. We just need to keep in mind that they weren't here because they were persecuted. They were here to make a better life for themselves, and that better life included making money. I know, right? I'm really raining on the parade of Thanksgiving, aren't I? Well, here's some more rain. Remember Squanto? Squanto was the Indian liaison between the Native Americans and the Pilgrims. He helped translate and negotiate trade between the Pilgrims and the Indians. And I hope you'll forgive me as I say Indian because that's the term that we were taught when I was in school. I know they're indigenous people. I know they're Native Americans. But when I was growing up, they were Indians. That's what we were taught and it's a habit that's in my head. It's a hard habit to break. I try to catch myself, but I find myself slipping into the old habits. I try really hard, but I still find myself saying, oh yeah, the pilgrims and the Indians. So we were taught that Squanto was one of the Indians who helped broker trade between the Indians and the pilgrims. And because of Squanto, Thanksgiving took place. Well, poor Squanto doesn't have a really upbeat backstory. It would probably make a great movie if anybody ever made it. Actually, Disney did make a movie back in 1994 called Squanto, A Warrior's Tale, but it's a Disney-fied version of Squanto's Tale, and some have questioned its historical accuracy. What I'm saying is if they did a real movie about what really happened, that might be cool, but I digress. The Pilgrims called him Squanto. His actual name, as far as I've been able to find out, was actually Tisquantum, but that became Squanto. He was part of the Patuxet tribe which was one of the smaller offshoots of the Wampanoag tribe. And they all lived in the site where the pilgrims, we'll just call them pilgrims rather than separatists, because we know what we're talking about. But his people lived in the area where the pilgrims first settled up in Massachusetts. 
But the thing about Squanto, before 1621, this goes back to 1614, he and several of his people were captured by the English in 1614. He and his people spent several years in England. That's where he learned English. That's how he was able to translate between the Europeans and the Native Americans at the time, when he ultimately returned in 1621. But between 1614 and 1621, he was actually sold into slavery in Spain. Oh yeah, we didn't hear that part in grade school. They left that part out. They left out the part where he also returned to New England in 1619 and found that his entire tribe had been wiped out by smallpox. Yeah, they forgot to tell us that part too. So what he did was he put himself in the position of being the envoy, the diplomat, the emissary between the Native Americans who remained and the English who were settling the Massachusetts area. And that's how Squanto got involved. Just a point of fact that I thought might be interesting to know. Because what they told me in grade school had nothing to do with what actually happened. I know, it's kind of shocking to find out that the history books in grade school, not entirely accurate. Another thing that I remember being taught, turkey was served, sweet potatoes were served, all of the bounty from the fall harvest was served, that's where pumpkin pie was invented back in the first Thanksgiving. Except, not really. The first Thanksgiving, if we're going to call 1621 the first Thanksgiving, the first Thanksgiving included five deer that the Native Americans brought to this feast, and some of the crops that the pilgrims harvested. While there are writings that indicate that turkey was around, in fact it was called bountiful, also around were geese and ducks, also bountiful. None of them are specifically mentioned in any of the accounts from the first Thanksgiving. So the only thing we know for sure about the first Thanksgiving, they served venison. So in fact, if you want to have a traditional Thanksgiving dinner, based on the first Thanksgiving, it should be venison. Pumpkin pie wasn't a thing. There wasn't any butter or flour. Not for the settlers. They were barely getting by with the corn and the pumpkins and the squash that they were growing. Those are all mentioned in the sources about that first meal. Cranberries also. Cornmeal also. No sweet potatoes. Probably because they weren't in North America at the time. So if you're looking for a traditional Thanksgiving menu based on that 1621 meeting, you probably want venison. You probably want corn. Some cranberries. Some squash, including pumpkin. And something made out of cornmeal, because that's what they had. Those are the only things explicitly mentioned in that first menu. Everything else, we've kind of added on over the years. So right now you're probably saying, why are you doing this, gamer dude? Why are you ruining Thanksgiving? Let me put it this way. I'm not viewing it as ruining Thanksgiving. It's just providing you some information that might broaden your experiences just a little bit. Because I've found having good information, factual information, usually better than just going with what other people say. That's why I look this stuff up. It's always fascinating to me. It's always fascinating to see how the stories have changed, how things have been modified, how we've adapted things to what we want them to be rather than what they were. And it's kind of interesting to me how Thanksgiving has developed. As I said, don't get me wrong, I love Thanksgiving and I think it's an important holiday. But there's a backstory to Thanksgiving that nobody ever talks about. It doesn't make it a bad holiday. It doesn't make it a good holiday. But for me, it's always important to know that things aren't always the way that other people depict them to be. I like to know the way things actually are and make my own judgments. All that said, that doesn't mean Thanksgiving shouldn't be a fun and blessed time. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't enjoy some of the best food you've ever had, because we always do. And we've never had venison for Thanksgiving. We've always had turkey. In recent years, we've been going out. I've mentioned this before. We usually go out because not everybody likes turkey. But over the years, we've developed our standard holiday menu. 
And I still like to cook up the stuff for Thanksgiving. Even if I don't use it on Thanksgiving, sometimes it carries over to Christmas dinner. I've talked about roast turkey before. I talked about my mom's bread stuffing a couple of years ago. I gave you the recipe. So I figured I'd offset today's history lesson with another cool recipe for Thanksgiving. And you can use it on Christmas, too. As I mentioned, sweet potatoes weren't in North America at the time of that first Thanksgiving back in 1621. But we have them now. And one of my favorite things to make is a sweet potato casserole. So I'm going to give you the recipe because it's super easy, super tasty, and people will love it. It's a great starchy side dish, which is also very sweet and very delicious. Goes perfectly with turkey. But you can eat it with ham too. Very tasty with ham. It's the kind of side dish that just says fall to me. Whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or just fall. I love this. It's super easy to make. Actually, there's two ways to make it. One a little longer than the other. Slightly different tastes, of course. The super easy way involves two cans of the sliced up sweet potatoes or sliced up yams that you buy at the supermarket. Bruce's yams are the ones that I have in my supermarket, but whatever they have by you, you can use. It's those giant size cans. It's like 32 or 48 ounces, something like that. It's sliced yams or sliced sweet potatoes in light syrup. That's what I use because the potatoes are already cooked. They're in a light syrup, so they're already slightly sweetened. And my family has a sweet tooth, so we always like the slightly sweetened stuff. And we're going to make it sweeter. But if you don't want to use the canned, the long version involves getting actual sweet potatoes or actual yams. There's a slight difference, but either one will work, whatever you have access to. And you can actually bake those in the oven, soften them up so you can use them. If you choose to go that way, the easiest way to bake them is put them in the oven for an hour at 400 degrees. If you bake them for an hour, they'll be nice and soft and easy to use. After you take them out of the oven, you want to peel them. They'll be easier to peel after they're baked. You can peel them before if you want, but easier after they're baked. I've made this recipe that way. I prefer using the cans. You can go either way. So, using the cans, I open up two cans. I drain the syrup. You don't need that in the casserole. You're going to put the potatoes in one of those 9 by 9 dishes that you probably have that you make brownies in. If you want to make cleanup really easy, you can just buy one of those 9 by 9 aluminum trays that you can get in the supermarket. Totally disposable. You don't have to worry about cleaning the pan afterwards. You're going to put your two cans of yams in your 9 by 9 tray, whether it's the aluminum one or one you have in the house already. The yams in the can are already soft, so you're just going to mash them up. Just mush them all together. You can use a fork. You can use a spoon. If you're super fancy and have an actual potato masher, you can use that. Just mush it all up. The next thing you need is a stick of butter. I use salted butter. You can use unsalted butter. Cut it in chunks. Doesn't matter how big. Put it in the microwave for about 30 to 45 seconds. Get it mostly melted. Then you're going to pour that into those potatoes. Use your masher again. Mix it all up. The next thing you're going to add is one cup of light brown sugar. You can use dark brown if you want. I prefer light brown, but you can use whichever. You can use a little less if you don't want it too sweet. You can use a little more if you like it really sweet. One cup seems to work best. Take that one cup of sugar, sprinkle that over the top, mash it up again. If you really want to get creative, and if you have a portable mixer, you can use the mixer to mix all of the butter and the sugar and the potatoes together. Because they're all soft at this point, so the mixer will work fine. I actually use the mixer, it mixes it perfectly, but I haven't always had a portable mixer, and I did it for years with just a fork. So you can use just a fork. So when you get that butter and that sugar all mixed in there, you're going to make a nice smooth layer in the bottom of that pan. The last thing you need is a bag of those little marshmallows. Not the ones you put on the stick for the campfire, but the little tiny marshmallows you put in the ambrosia salad. Those marshmallows, the mini marshmallows. You're going to cover the potatoes with marshmallows. You're not mixing them. You're just making a layer on top of the potatoes with the marshmallows. I told you it was sweet. It's going to be sweet, but it's so good. 
You want to fill in all of the holes so it's one layer of marshmallows. You can pour the marshmallows in and then tamp them down with your hand if you want to. Or you can place them one at a time. It depends on how meticulous you want to be. You just want one layer of marshmallows. Then you put the casserole in the oven. 375 degrees. Plan on cooking it for, let's say, 30 minutes. Could it be 20? Sure. Could it be 40? Sure. You're just warming it through and you want those marshmallows melted. Because when you dig in with that spoon, you want the marshmallows to just wrap around that spoon of potatoes as you pull it out and put it on your plate. And then those marshmallows blend in with those yams. You take a forkful of that. You take a forkful of your turkey. It's a perfect taste sensation, let me tell you. But you'll know that it's done when it looks all mushy on the top. If you really want to get creative, you can turn the broiler on for five minutes and give the marshmallows a brown look. Some people like that. I don't. I just need them melted. But you'll know that it's done when it looks all melted on the top. At that point, it's ready to serve. It's really super easy to make. If you're looking for something to bring as a side to Grandma's house, volunteer to bring the sweet potato casserole. And if you've never made it before, you can tell Grandma, it's something that I'm trying, Grandma. You'll love it. Trust me. And the fact that you're bringing something to Grandma's house, oh, scores great points with Grandma's. And then when they taste this, <laughs> you're going to be the hero of the holiday. Between sweet potato casserole, my mom's bread stuffing, and a roast turkey, I don't think you need anything else. So go out there, put this together, and let me know how the family likes it. I'm pretty sure that if you make it once, it won't be the last time. Trust me on this. I hope I didn't ruin Thanksgiving for you with giving you a little factual background about it. But if I did, I hope the sweet potato casserole makes up for it. It's really good. Trust me. It's really, really good. It's one of the favorite things my dad ever ate for Thanksgiving. Once I introduced him to my sweet potato casserole, I had to make it for every holiday. And you probably will too. I hope your Thanksgiving is great. I hope you have a good time with whoever you're spending it with. I hope you remember to give thanks. I hope you remember to be appreciative of everything that you have. For me, I'm super thankful for you guys listening to this podcast. I'm super thankful for the Twitch family that I have. I am eternally grateful for the audience that we bring in every week, for everybody who watches the stream, for everybody who hangs out in the Discord, for everybody who watches movies with us on Saturday nights. I am so grateful that you guys support me and that we've kind of found our own family together. It's really nice to have you guys out there, and I am so appreciative of each and every one of you. I feel truly blessed to know all of you and to have you in my life. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. I truly do appreciate all of your support and all of your time. Thank you so much for listening. Take care of yourselves and have a wonderful Thanksgiving this year. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.